Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we check in with Kelly Moore, who's about to head to Montreal to cover the draft for CJOB. He'll be on all week for us, giving us updates as the Jets have two first-round picks this year. And also, we'll look back at week four of the CFL on the podcast. A big focus this week on the show is going to be the National Hockey League entry draft and our Kelly Moore is going to be in Montreal in our coverage is for True North Motors and RV. RVs cost less in Selkirk, truenorthmotors.ca. And Mr. Moore will be joining us at the top of the show all week. Kelly joins us now on the show. Uh, Kelly, when was the, the last time you went to Montreal? Oh, boy. Uh, oh, actually, uh, it would have been the first year that the Jets were back. Uh, so it would have been... Probably February of 2012, because usually the Habs play a matinee game on Super Bowl Sunday. And yeah, that's probably the last time, Christian. Uh, it just worked out that the Habs were hosting Winnipeg uh, on uh, for their annual Super Bowl Sunday game. Nice. And so for you getting to cover this draft now in the year 2022, uh, how are you feeling that you're going to be heading on a plane tomorrow? I, 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 uh, I, I'm looking so forward uh, to covering this event live. I'm trying to remember the last time I covered a draft live, Christian, and I think it might have been the 1995 draft in Edmonton. Oh my! Uh, just before the Jets uh, relocated, uh, it was the you know going into the final year of the Jets 1.0 in Winnipeg. I know that was the year they drafted Shane Doan uh, in, in the first round. So yeah, so it's uh, it, it's been a cup of coffee and and then some since the last time I covered a draft live, uh, but uh, you know and so a lot has changed. <laughs> you know there are now mm -hmm. thirty two teams as opposed to I think there were something along the lines of twenty eight back there, or twenty six back then. Okay, yeah. So you know there's been a half dozen more teams added to the flock since nineteen ninety five. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's such a production now, uh, but I think the intriguing thing about this Christian, uh, both from an overall aspect and obviously, uh, from a Winnipeg Jets and a Manitoba perspective, I mean, it's, uh, the first time Montreal has had the number one overall pick, uh, since they, uh, selected, uh, Doug, uh, um, oh, geez, the name's, uh, 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 escaping me right now. I know he played junior in Regina. Uh, it'll come to me in a minute. Uh, since the, the Habs had a number one pick back in 1980, uh, Wendell Clark. Doug Wickenheiser. Doug Wickenheiser. Thank you. I was thinking of Haley all along and I'm sitting there. Um, <laughs> but thank you for uh, bailing me out on that. Uh, so, you know, so there is that uh, kind of symmetry with the, you know, guessing who the Habs are going to take, whether it's Shane Wright or Jurad Slavkowski. Uh, I don't think Logan Cooley is going to uh, sneak into that number one spot. Uh, you know, And then the last time that uh, the host team had the number one overall pick was the Toronto Maple Leafs back in the early 80s when they took Wendell Clark number one overall. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that's kind of interesting. And then, of course, from the Winnipeg Jets perspective, uh, picking 14th and 30th uh, with a couple of uh, first-rounders, the third time that's happened since they relocated from Atlanta. And, of course, as we were reporting earlier today, uh, you know, it, it could end a 48-year span since the last time three Manitobans were taken in the first round. And when you look at all the mock drafts, Christian, uh, there is nowhere I can find where it won't happen that Denton Matejchuk, 
Connor Geeky and Owen Pickering at some point are going to be among the top 32 picks uh, to, uh, Thursday night, rather, at the Bell Center. So, uh, you know, the last time it happened was 1974 with Cam Connor, Ron Chipperfield, and uh, Don Larway. Wow. And so there's lots of things for local hockey fans to pay attention yeah. to yeah. for the All draft kinds of storylines. In uh, 48 hours' time in Montreal. Why don't you explain, Kelly? how different this could be for the Winnipeg Jets just because they got two first round picks and, and what that might mean for the team and maybe what they should be looking to do with those picks. Oh, uh, it, you know, all of it depends on what happens. Uh, I would say probably from about the number eight or number nine picks on, uh, most of the pre-draft prognostications are pretty consistent. I mean, It'll be a shocker, Christian, if uh, someone without the last name of Wright, Slavkovsky, Cooley, Nemitz, Juracek, and maybe Goche are not among the top five. You know, and, and then after that, you know, you've got Joachim Kemmel, you've got Jonathan Leckery-Mackey, uh, Matt Savoy, uh, and then it starts to get interesting. You know, uh, Kevin Korczynski from the Seattle Thunderbirds, had an outstanding year this year, really came on strong. He's one of those guys with a bullet. Uh, Pavel Minchikov uh, from Saginaw uh, is, uh, is certainly uh, highly rated. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you've got, uh, you know, some guys like Owen Pickering and Denton Matejchuk. You know, Pickering, uh, he didn't even expect to be a first-rounder uh, when his season began in Swift Current last fall. And, and here he is now, one of those guys, you know, and every year there seems to be one of those guys with a lot of momentum and, and, and he could be it. So from a Winnipeg Jets perspective, you know, this could be another one of those years where they have a player slotted at seven or eight, but because it, it is so cloudy, you know, from say eight or nine to 20, that so many different things could happen. Uh, and so they could have another uh, Kyle Connor or a Cole Perfetti type moment, you know, come Thursday night. Uh, and especially with that number 30 pick, you know, we, we saw it last year with a, a couple of uh, players that were expected to go a lot higher and then kept falling, kept falling. I mean, I don't think the Jets ever expected to get Chaz Lucius uh, at number 17 or number 18 because Phoenix didn't or Arizona didn't have a pick. I don't think they ever expected him to be available uh, at that slot when he was. Uh, so with this number 30 uh, pick uh, and the fact that they have exercised their option to take the 55th overall pick in the second round uh, when the draft resumes on Friday, that's three choices in the top 55 and Holy Crows, Christian, uh, you know, I mean, the cupboard's been pretty bare the last couple of years because of some of the deals that they made. I mean, they've, they only had 14 picks overall, uh, 2019 through 21. They're going to have half that amount in this draft uh, in 22. And so that raises the question, Kelly, about the direction of the club. You always want to have the cupboard stocked up if you can, right? Whether or not, you, whether yeah. you're Colorado, Tampa Bay, or you're Arizona or Ottawa, you want to be in that spot where you have the ability to, to bring players up or use them as as players you can trade away for a you know a superstar or something like that. But for the Winnipeg Jets right now, do you see a specific position of need in the pipeline? 
Well, you know, historically, uh, uh, Christian, the Jets, uh, since they relocated from Atlanta, they have taken a total of 71 players. And just just under 67% of those 71 picks have been a center or a defenseman. I think it's 46 out of 71 if uh, the number serves me correct. And that number even holds true, you know, for the first round. Of their 12 first-round picks, they have taken four setters, they have taken four defensemen, and they have taken four left-wingers. So, you know, I guess you could say right-wing might be an area that they would take a look at, but it always comes down to being who the best player available is. And with what you know, with what I've seen in some of the homework I've done, I I I think they'd have to be going off the board a little bit to take a right winger, uh, uh, just because that's a position they haven't drafted a lot of. Uh, I mean, you'd have to think that uh, the way that this hockey club has drafted in the past, that it's going to be a setter or a defenseman, and that's where you know the names of Connor uh, Geeky, uh, you know Frank Nazar. Um, you look at, uh, you know, Denton Matejchuk, uh, Owen Pickering, maybe Kevin Korczynski if he was the slider, Pavel Minchikov, uh, rather. And, and again, you know, Christian, here's the other uh, big story that's going on uh, with this draft. What's going to happen with the Russians? You know, the the, the highly rated mm. Russians, Russians. Pavel Minchikov is one. Danila Yurov is another. Ivan Miroshenenkov is an uh, Miroshenenko rather is another one. Boy, I I hope I don't have to say his name too many times. I've been practicing, but you know, it, what happens with those guys if teams decide oh, we just don't know with what's going on over in Russia, and you know, especially for the Jets, I mean, they have to look out for themselves. But let's face it, you know, we have a significant. Ukrainian community in this city and this province. And don't think the Jets aren't aware of that. All right. So I just want to touch on a couple of other hockey stories before I let you go. Today, history made Mike Greer named general manager of the San Jose Sharks. A bit of a, a messy situation where they let Bob Bugner go kind of out of nowhere last yeah. week. But now Greer can pick his own guy. First black GM in the history of the NHL. Just how big a moment is that for the for the league and their, you know, push towards diversity and the fact that Greer, you know, he's, he was a NHL forward for over a thousand games. He's absolutely earned this spot. Absolutely. And that's the key thing right here, Christian. Uh, you know, Mike Greer has earned what he uh, received today in spades and then some, and it's just, it's the needle moving continually forward, uh, you know, and, and, and I think it's, I think it's great for the national hockey league. Uh, I don't think it's a, it, it's a token or a symbolic hire. I think it's a, a justified hire. And, you know, yes, there's pressure on Mike Greer to do well, just as back in the day there was pressure for the first college coach to really do well or the first first junior coach that got elevated to do well. So every time you're a pioneer, all eyes are on you. How are you going to do it? Because, like we know, the, the NHL is a copycat league. But, uh uh, so significant today uh, for uh, you know Mike Greer uh, to uh, to get that honor uh, and and good on the San Jose Sharks for doing the right thing. His brother, by the way, is the GM of the Miami Dolphins, so executive 
it, it runs in their blood. Their dad also was yeah. an executive in sports for a lot, number of years, too. And Jessica Campbell, who's 30 years old, she was recently with the German men's hockey team with the World Men's Hockey Championship, today named an assistant with the Seattle Kraken's AHL team. Uh, first woman to be an assistant on an AHL team as the Kraken have really They've really been progressive with a lot of their moves today. Haley Wickenheiser by, uh, promoted by the Leafs today to assistant GM, uh, fourth woman in the last six months to get that promotion as well in the National Hockey League. As, as you mentioned, Kelly, the needle, it, it moves forward. It's good to have diversity because we need it. You're opening up the market to more people, more brains that have hockey knowledge. And this is just a great sign in the NHL that, that these moves are happening as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know what, Christian? We'll know when we've arrived when it's not a big deal right. as to the gender or the race of the hire and, and just the person that we're talking about. Then we'll know when it's not a big deal anymore, uh, when uh, someone uh, of uh, uh, American-African descent uh, rises to a prominent position and it's not going to, and we'll know we've arrived when it's not that big of a deal. Uh, when there is a, a female that, uh, or a woman that takes over as an NHL general manager, uh, or as we have seen now, even in, you know, in Vancouver and some of the other areas, uh, assistant GMs, Haley Wickenheiser today, when it's just, Oh, wow. Haley Wickenheiser, the former Olympian is now the assistant general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, just talking about the person, uh, for what their portfolio uh, uh, says as opposed to anything else. Then we'll know we've arrived at true diversity. Absolutely, Kelly. Appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. and Look forward to talking to you all week here. Absolutely. My pleasure. What a week in the CFL it was. After last night's game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, we're done. Four weeks into the season. And again, what a week four it was. Three games pretty much went down to the wire. And yeah, I know one of them happened last Thursday. It was almost a week ago now. I don't care. This is my show. It's time now for the week four CFL recap. We start in Ottawa where the 0-2 Red Blacks were hosting the toast of the league. The BC Lions in their first road game of the season. And what a start for Canadian Nathan Work. Third and one sneak at the Ottawa 50. Turns into a 50-yard touchdown run. Way to seal the edge, guys. Lions keep cooking in the second. When Rourke hits James Butler for the score, 14-3 Lions. Now 14-6 in the third when the chaos begins. Rourke finally shows he's human. He's picked by Money Hunter. Three plays later, William Powell into the end zone. Two-point convert is good. Wait, no procedure. Try again. No good. Oops, Mike. Pass interference. Oh, that, there we go. Yeah, 14 all. And then Rourke is picked again by Hunter, who returns at 56 yards. Two plays later, the Red Blacks are up by six, but not seven because Lewis Ward misses the convert. So great for the Red Blacks. They have the lead, and it's gone. Rourke to Keon Hatcher. For 71 yards, nobody thought maybe we should cover him? Lions back up by one, and now it's eight thanks to a Butler TD run. 28-20 after three. The team's trade field goals in the fourth. Clock-munching drive by the Lions before another three-pointer. That ought to seal it, or does it? Red Blacks get into the end zone. They go for two. They get it. 29 seconds left. Onside kick goes out of bounds, and that's it. Lions win. They're 3-0. Canada today in Hamilton and the 0-3 Tiger Cats hosting the 0-3 Elks. And Trey Ford getting the start. Strong start for the Tabbies who should definitely win this game, right? Touchdown on the second drive of the game and a safety. It's 9-zip, but great response from the Elks. Touchdown drive. They're within two. At, nah, sorry, I mean three. They missed the convert. Actually, it's 10 because Hamilton returned the ensuing kick for a touchdown. 
16, 6, and then 16, 7, 19, 7, 19, 9, 22, 9, 22, 12, 22, 15. I guess we're done with touchdowns. Oh, wait, no. Kenny Lawler gets in on the action. He gets into the end zone. We're tied. Ticats, though, with a clutch drive, a field goal on the 10th play of a drive. The Elks, though, they have a shot down by three. Eh, well, they have to punt. So just a minute 45 to go. Hamilton, you just need a first down or two. Definitely take care of the ball. Uh, keeper by Evans. He's oh, not They're down four. Evans looking to redeem himself to get the ball into Edmonton territory, but they turn it over on downs, and that's it. Elks win, and Ford is the first Canadian QB from a Canadian university to start and win a Canadian football league game since 1985 on Canada Day, no less. Saskatchewan in week three got crushed by the Alouettes. Week four, they look to return the favor on home turf. 3-0 Owls in the first one. Cody Fajardo hits Mitch Picton. Riders in the lead. Except another kick return touchdown. It's Chandler Worthy, the second player ever to return a kickoff for a touchdown in back-to-back -back weeks. The other was in 53. So many firsts this week. 13-8 Owls in the second one. Brett Lawther, are you... You're really going to try from 57 yards? Okay, bud. Good luck. Oh, he hit it. Oh, God. Wow. Okay. Owls, though, still leading at the half. But the final 30 minutes very much belong to the Riders. Jamal Morrow, TD run. Pajardo gets into the end zone, then hits Keon Schieffer-Baker for a 44-yard score. All of a sudden, it's 32-13. Each team adds a TD in the fourth, 41-20 is the final. Nice bounce back from the Riders. And finally last night, a CFL game on a Monday in Toronto. The Bombers and Argos, Andrew Harris against his former club. Great start for the Bomber defense. Winston rose back from a foot injury, and it looks quite all right to me. 46-yard pick six on the next Argos position. The D does it again. Nick Taylor with the pick. Six plays later, Zach Kolaris to Drew Wolitarski. It's 14 zip Bombers. It's 17-3 late in the first half. Bombers in field goal range. But Kolaris takes a shot to the end zone that's picked. Oh, well, I'm sure the Bombers, well, they won't regret losing those points. They're rolling in this one. Third quarter, can the Argos get something going? Well, how about third play deep shot is picked? Wait, no, it's caught? Huh? Brandon Banks takes it away from Demario Houston? It's a weird one, but it counts. Okay, the Argos have life, and the Winnipeg offense doesn't. Not doing anything. Toronto driving to tie the game. they late in the third, and the D rises up again. Vegas to Harris, gunning a little slant inside the five. Popped up, and it's intercepted by the Bombers. How many times has happened? Thompson laterals it, and they're on the run. It's Nick Taylor. McLeod Bethel Thompson has him at the 50. That bounced off at least one, if not two guys. Absolute chaos. Leads to a field goal. 10-point lead. Argos with a field goal. 11 minutes to go. Bombers two and out. Argos with another field goal. The lead is only four. Bombers, though, though, rallies and remembers how to get first downs. Two minutes left. They get another field goal. They're up by seven. Can the D hold one last time and get the win if they've done so often? No. No, they can't. Eight-play drive. Argos into the end zone. Just 30 seconds left. Looks like overtime, all they need to do is just hit the convert. Oh my god, he missed it! Forrest Bean, he missed it! He shanked it, not even close! He hit a field goal from 52 earlier. What What are you doing, bud? Bombers recover the onside kick. It's not pretty, but Winnipeg is 4-0. And that is week four in the CFL. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. Come on.
and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all.